What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner, back here with another special episode. Got my good friend, Brandon, too. Back on the pod, man. College basketball expert, big UNC guy, Brandon, too. Really excited to get him back on here and talk some college basketball. So, like we always do, let's just jump right into it. Brandon, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, dude. I, it's uh, great to jump back on a, a podcast with you and uh, talk some Carolina hoops, dude. It's, uh, it was a interesting end to the non-conference schedule, but but nonetheless, this is where, I guess, the, the winners make their, uh, their key thing, you know, that guys make their names as coaches and players as, as conference play, and there's no tougher conference than ACC. Yeah, Brandon, you kind of summed up what I was going to ask you in a lot of ways. You know, Carolina just entered the non-conference, had a poor showing against Kentucky, I think we could all agree, and then, um, you know, finished up with some easy wins over, over Davidson and Harvard and Chapel Hill. Brandon, right now, let's talk a little bit about that Kentucky game, and then at the same time, just kind of talk to me, how do you feel this team, because obviously this team sitting at 10-3, they're going to be defined by the by the games against the likes of Gonzaga, Kentucky, uh, UCLA, Texas, teams like that, uh, Michigan. They're going to be defined by those wins, not wins over Davidson and Harvard. So how do you feel this team is done in the non-conference as a whole? And were you surprised maybe to focus on one game, the Kentucky game, that Carolina uh, didn't show up a little bit better in that game? Because they just didn't really look – uh, very good against Kentucky, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, and, and it was it was just one of those games where it was really frustrating to watch. And, and there was times in the game where Carolina was obviously in that game for most of it, if not all of it. And at some point, you just got to make a play in order to get yourself truly back into the game, into, into a, a tie situation, and even take the lead. And Carolina just couldn't make that play to get there. And, I mean, that's a Kentucky team that's really talented. And we were talking about that on that preview pod yeah. we did, where, where that's a talented Kentucky team, but we haven't really seen that talent come through yet. But it was kind of – it was just a strange game to watch because all of a sudden Carolina and Kentucky are going back and forth. And then Ashton Higgins, he, like, rolled his ankle, sprained his ankle somehow. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up being better after he sprains his ankle. Like, it, it – he, he was making plays all over the court. And, and look, you can't stare a guy down and, and, and try to make a, a pass across the court and think that it's going to get through when, especially when a guy like Higgins is basically draped all over all over your guy. I, that game was very frustrating in terms of the turnovers and just the, the boneheaded decisions that some players made during that game. And, and I know that a lot of, a lot of the guys are frustrated. I mean, obviously, Nazir Little was frustrated. I mean, I think he he was talking about sitting on the bench and just being like there wasn't much you, you could do when you're just sitting on the bench watching your team make mistake after mistake. Mm-hmm. But then when he gets out there, he makes a mistake. Kobe White makes a, a lazy cross-court pass. So does Luke May. So does Seventh Woods. And the defense, the defense was better that game, but they still gave Kentucky wide-open threes. Yeah. And... If you're going to give guys like Hero wide-open threes, and, and heck, if you're going to give Reed wide-open threes, I mean, Reed Travis is eventually going to knock down an open three if you're going to give it to him, too. So it was just one of those situations where I, I think the bigs played better 
at certain points, like Garrison Brooks wasn't as bad as people were saying was saying he he was that game. I think Garrison Brooks actually played pretty well going up against a guy like Reed Travis. But when it, when it comes down to it, PJ Washington, Reed Travis, they especially Reed Travis, he dominated down low. That was the first game that he showed. Hey, this is why I transferred from Stanford to Kentucky as a grad transfer. This is why I came here to play this type of basketball and to be in the NCAA tournament and hopefully make those type of plays. But you, you can't let guys like Hagens just get out on the fast break and, and, and just knock away lazy passes time after time. And, and it, it's a simple thing as just looking over and realizing that Hagens is all over the dude and not on the pass. Mm-hmm. And it, there's there's certain things that, and we can obviously talk about this in more depth and with other uh, with the other games with Davidson and Harvard. Like this team still isn't there defensively yeah. all the way, but but they're getting there. And you saw flashes of that against Kentucky, but they still gave them open shots. And at the end of the day, they didn't make enough shots in order to come back and win that game. So, Brandon, you talked a lot about the Kentucky game. How would you rate Carolina's uh, non-conference slate? Like I said, they're sitting at 10-3 and right now. Good win over Gonzaga. Um, yeah, that was probably their signature win. They beat UCLA, who just fired uh, Steve Alford, their coach. So they're not doing – That's a mess. In, in yeah, UCLA. they haven't They haven't really been good. They haven't been good for a while. It seems like they haven't really been good since Kevin Love. I know they have been, but it just seems like forever since they've really been talked about. Um, you see – I mean, Jake, I was just going to point out, it's so bad in, at UCLA that people are dropping rumors that they want to go after Larry Brown. You wow. Know, like, that's, just a, that's just a rumor that's floating around because of how bad it is. So, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, it's, but, yeah. So that's not a big of a win for Carolina as it could have been. Still a good win, but, but then you look at them, they've got losses to Kentucky, losses to, to Texas, Michigan. If you really look at the Michigan-Kentucky game, they didn't really show up in either of those. I mean, they played better against Kentucky, but... They were in it, like you said, for a majority of it, but still at the same time, at least for me watching, I never felt like Carolina was going to win that game, especially late in the second half. Um, so yeah, yeah. they performed, you know, I guess a low point would be Michigan, high point would be Gonzaga. I guess to, to get back to the question, how would you rate Carolina's non-conference slate and, and how they're looking heading into uh, ACC play tomorrow against Pittsburgh? Well, I mean, if you look at it in a, in a totality, in a whole, and, and you look, at the record ten and three, and, and you look at their competition, you would be like, "All right, that's probably like a B, a B minus. Like it, it's a it's a good non-conference, you know, it, it's a good non-conference schedule, and they had some really good wins and, and some bad performances. But as a, for a whole, that they, they played pretty well throughout the non-conference. But if you're getting yourself ready for ACC play, I mean, I, I don't know if you're there at Roy Williams press conference." After Harvard, but yeah. he had some strong words. Yeah, he did. For, for some, for some, uh, some reporters who were asking questions about like, is this team here defensively? Are they ready? I think Ross Martin asked him, are are they ready for ACC play? And he said, we're nowhere freaking close. Yeah, not me. even we're in the same even, universe. Yeah. Yeah, we're not even in the same universe, and, and, and we all know what he's talking about. He's talking about the defense, and if and if you don't, if you look at just the numbers and you look at the fact. I know you posted something on, on Twitter about the numbers and how Carolina's held teams to to below like forty percent percent percentage. Yeah, and, and the numbers look great. Like, don't get me wrong, but against Harvard, even there was about seven open threes. Oh yeah, there's still Harvard a ton just, of those. 
yeah, that they just flat out missed. And if you're going to give teams like that in the ACC, like if you're giving NC State those open looks, NC State's going to knock them down. Mm-hmm. If you're giving Miami those open looks, Miami is knocking those down. And, and Harvard, Harvard's a good team, and, and Harvard, you know, without without Bryce Aiken and and, uh, and I, I believe it was Seth, like they're going to be they're missing their two best players. So they're going to be one of the best teams in the Ivy League. But in no way is is that indicative of how well Carolina played defensively because you hold Harvard to X amount of points and you hold them to an X amount of, of field goal percentage. It's about defensive possessions and playing well on those defensive possessions. And uh, they did that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, like Nazir Little... I mean, there were some possessions where he was really locked in, he was focused, and and, and he forced some, some passes, and he actually played pretty well. He's played pretty well the last two games defensively, and, and a couple of other guys have too, but, but then you'll get in a situation where a guy will, will lose a man in the corner and he has a wide-open three, and, and if you're giving away those shots in conference play, you're going to lose. Like, we saw it against Georgia Tech a couple of years ago. Georgia Tech came out there and knocked down threes, and Alvarado was making shots, and then all of a sudden Carolina loses. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if that's what you're going to give on the defensive end of the floor, give those open shots, then, yeah, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. So, Roy, to an extent, I think was just trying to wake his team up, be like, hey, we're not exactly there yet. I, I mean, I, I don't know how truthful he actually thinks it, it is to be we're nowhere close we're not even in the same universe I, I don't know about that i think they're they're good for what they are which is a really really good shooting team a, a team that can score the ball offensively and when they they give the effort and, and they really focus in on the defensive end of the floor they they can be as good as anyone else on the defensive end of mm-hmm. the floor and I, at some point like you just have to put together a consistent effort on the defensive end of the floor, 40 minutes of it. And I know I always talk about defense on this podcast. I feel like that's all I talk about. That's all Roy talks about, too. But, but, I mean, to be honest, that's really the only thing that's left for this team to accomplish is to be a good defensive team. And who knows? Maybe they'll never get there. Do you think they can? I think this team has a chance to because I, I think they have too many individual guys who can defend well enough. Like, Nazir Little can be an elite defender at the college level, at the pro level. He has all the tools. It's about putting it together mentally. And I know he's talked about it. He, he was even interviewed for an article where I think Marin Fodder of, uh, of Bleacher Report mm-hmm. wrote an article about him. And it's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic article. He even talked about how he's dealing with the loss of one of his childhood friends. Mm-hmm. Who passed away in uh, early August? So just you know, dealing with stuff like that outside of basketball, but also learning Roy Williams' system. I mean, I have said before on this podcast that the defense is is strictly about effort and wanting the basketball more than than the other guy. And about eighty five percent of that is true. Like yeah. if you want the ball and, and you want to get in a stance and play defense, you can play pretty good defense. What separates you from being a good defender to an excellent defender is knowing your assignment and where to rotate and stuff like that. And I know Nazir is working on that, and he's getting to that point. So I think Nazir, and we've seen it the last two games, he's he's done a lot better in terms of that. So I think he can progress as an individual defender. Kenny Williams, 
is still an excellent individual defender. You got some guys like Cam Johnson, maybe Luke May, who aren't as great, but mm-hmm. defensively as a team, they got some guys who are who can be outstanding individual defenders, and then as a team, I think they can defend pretty well. So yeah, eventually they can get to a point where I think they will be a pretty good defensive team. It kind of reminds me of that 2017 team. Yeah, I can see like, where you're They can get to a point where that team, that team defended pretty well going into the NCAA tournament, and that's kind of how they won some games in the NCAA tournament, was they, they got some, some key stops during key possessions. I think this Carolina team can do the same thing. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I think their jury's definitely still out, like like you said, and and like even Roy said a lot. Um, it seems like every press conference, someone either asks him about it or he, or he mentions it in some some kind of capacity. Excuse me, but Brandon, let's move on real quick and just focus in and zero in on this Pittsburgh game Saturday at noon. This is recorded on Friday. We put out on Friday, so tomorrow at noon, Carolina's traveling up to Pittsburgh tonight, and obviously a a noon tip off. You think would would roll, run in Carolina's favor a little bit. I know it's a sold-out game, but maybe, you know, crowd will be a little bit later getting there for a noon kickoff like that. So uh, maybe that'll help out Carolina a little bit, but it should be a hostile crowd up there in Pittsburgh. And, Brandon, I admittedly haven't watched Pittsburgh. Uh, knowing the kind of college basketball guy you are, um, I know that you know something about them. And I asked Roy today in the press conference, you know, obviously Jeff Capel is their new coach, if there was a lot of similarities in, in, in Jeff Capel and – in Duke, really, and in, in the new Pittsburgh, and how Duke plays. Obviously, Jeff Capel was at Duke for a long time. Was also also at Oklahoma. Uh, was a head coach at Oklahoma when they played against Carolina in two thousand nine, I believe. So, yeah. Brandon, how do you? Obviously, this is a game. I think Carolina's a ten point favorite right now. Carolina should win. It's a game in the ACC that if Carolina wants to do what they want to do uh, and, and be one of the best teams in the ACC, they they need to beat teams like Pitt, whether it's at Pitt or in Chapel Hill. Give me a little. How are you feeling about this game, man? Do you think it's obviously a little tricky in the first opening ACC game, but Pittsburgh's 10-3, and too. They got a good schedule. Uh, they, they beat some decent teams, lost to some, some decent teams as well. So, Brandon, how are you feeling about this game tomorrow and, and Carolina's chances uh, against a sold-out uh, Pittsburgh crowd, which I'm, I'm sure it'll be, like I mentioned, a, a pretty fun environment up there? Yeah, and, and no matter what Pitt is doing, I mean, I know last year – Last year was different because they went winless in the ACC, and it's just hard to get up and go to those games mm-hmm. every single time, knowing that they were nowhere near where they needed to be in terms of a basketball program. And, and But that uh, that crowd up there, the Oakland Zoo, the, the student section, they get ruckus sometimes. Yeah. And, and I think it's going to be a hostile environment. It's going to be good for this Carolina team. I, in no way am I saying Pitt, Pitt is, a, is a good team. I think they're an improved team from last year. You can see to the record in ten and three. Yeah, they haven't played the best strength of schedule. Like there's the strength of schedule is three forty eight out of three fifty three and from from Kim Palm. So they could obviously have I guess better wins and, and you know, they, they lost to Iowa by one point. I think Iowa was ranked fourteenth at a time, so they've got some they've got some really good wins. They they got some close losses to good teams. But for the most part, they really haven't played anyone. But I think this is just an improved team. Watching about three times, two times. I mean, I, I think I think Greg Kalarko, one of our friends, kind of kind of got a little mad at me because he thought mm-hmm. I was saying that that Pitt was a a better team this year. And you know, in no way am I saying they're a better team. I, I think they're just improved from where they have been. 
they had a ton of issues last year that they, you know, you're not going to fix them in one season, no matter if you're bringing in uh, Jeff Capel and, and you're and you're trying to figure it out. They do have a lot of guys that are, are missing from from last year's squad with with Ryan Luther and Marcus Carr and, and I, I. This is just a, a more improved team, and it all starts with their point guard, their freshman point guard, their combo guard, Xavier Johnson. He he's a guy who just plays with a lot of energy. He leads them in scoring with 16 points per game, and Jerry Wilson frame putting up 12 points a game. He's a, he's a size and can be a mismatch for some, for some guys. But really, it comes down to those two guys playing well, and then you kind of just fill it in with the rest of them, you know, with, with, with Sedina Deer or, or Trey McGowan's. It's kind of just finding combinations of guys that work, and that's kind of what Capel's been doing. But he's really been writing Xavier Johnson. He leads the team in minutes, and he, he leads the team in and points and assists with a five assists a game. So, really, Xavier Johnson is where this team starts. And for most of the games I've watched, I watched that Iowa game. He he's really the the catalyst for this team and a, and a guy that Carolina needs to kind of put the clamps on if they want to really stop this Pittsburgh team because it, it all starts with him. So, prediction time, Brandon. Uh, what's your give me a little score line tomorrow, and who you think is gonna gonna get that? Uh, victory and start off 1-0 in the ACC. Is it uh, North Carolina for you, or is it Pittsburgh? And give me a scoreline. I, I think this will be a, a better game than people think. I, I think so, I, too. Yeah, I still think it's going to be, by the end of it, it's probably going to be a, a 15, maybe 20-point game. But Pitt's going to keep it close for, for most of the game, probably around midway through the second half. And then Carolina's going to, uh, pour it on them, but I, I think this Pittsburgh team they don't play as well on on the on the offensive end of the floor, but defensively they're actually pretty good. I think they're forty first in defense according to Kim Baum and, and his adjusted defensive rating. So I'm gonna say this is a bit of a lower scoring game. We go like eighty to maybe. 65 mm. is what I'm looking at. I, I think Carolina actually plays well defensively this time and, you know, kind of, kind of puts the clamp down on, <laughs> on Pitt a little bit. And I would not I would not mind seeing that. But outside of, you know, holding Pitt to 60 points or whatever it, it would take, like 50, you got to play good defense outside of that. You can't just give guys wide-open shots. And you definitely can't give guys – like Xavier Johnson, good looks in the basket because he's going to knock it down. He's shooting over 42% from three. He's really their, their best three-point shooter outside of Nadir. So you, you just need to find a way to to kind of clamp down on some guys and just don't give open looks. Make everything difficult. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, th- I got Carolina winning too. I think I think it's, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game too. I, at first I was – when I started thinking about it, I was like, eh, maybe it'll be kind of a shootout. But I just don't really see that, especially in an ACC game like this. Pittsburgh really hasn't beaten anybody great, so the jury's still out on them. I, I think it may be a little bit closer. I'm going to say you know, 83-71. I think Carolina gets the win, but it, it, they leave it late, maybe make some free throws down the, uh, down the stretch because they have to and, and end up pulling away a little bit. Sterling Manley, I don't know if you heard about this yet, Brandon. Uh, Roy said that Sterling Manley's out tomorrow. So yeah, yeah. That could affect Carolina a little bit. I think they'll be fine without him personally against Pittsburgh. If it was a maybe an NC State like ne- the next Tuesday, it'd be a little bit different. Hopefully, they can get him back by then. Yeah, 
I mean, he's key. Give big off the bench in terms mm-hmm. of being a guy who's just a big body who can take up space and, and really. He's played better as of late, so I really would like to see Manly on the court more. And, and I think they can still work around it, you know, by putting Nazir at the four or whatever they, they need to do. Maybe Nazir gets more minutes because Manly's out. But at one point during that Harvard game, Garrison Brooks, you know, got in foul trouble, was kind of lazy on a box out, and, you know, Roy yanked him off the court and put in Brandon Huffman. So we might see that tomorrow if, if Garrison's is not tip-top. Yeah, so I'm going to go a little, like I said, I'm going to go, I think I said 80, 82, 83, 71, excuse me. So that's my prediction. I like your prediction, Brandon. Like I said, I can agree with you on the on the low-scoring thing. And Manley's absence, we'll, we'll see how Carolina responds. You'll probably see a little bit more Nazir Little, kind of like we what we saw against Harvard, which could be good or bad. I expect Nazir Little to have a really good ACC year. No reason behind that. I just have a feeling, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to trust that feeling and whatnot, but Brandon, let's last question I want to want to leave you with uh, before we uh, go ahead and end this podcast is where do you think this Carolina team ends up in in a couple months at the end of the ACC season? Obviously, you've got Duke, uh, Virginia, very good. Uh, Virginia Tech's very good. Teams like NC State are even doing some really good things right now. Uh, where do you think Carolina ends up? You, I think preseason they were predicted second or third in the ACC. Could be a little bit different of a story now with how many good teams we've seen emerging uh, over the uh, over the course of the non-conference slate. Yeah, I think there's a clear um, there's a clear level right now a, a drop off between Virginia and Duke and then everyone else. Mm-hmm. But I still think that Carolina has a shot to jump up into that into that tier with. Duke and Virginia, especially if they can fix things on the defensive end of the ball, and I was really surprised they went to the whole the whole switching thing with, against Harvard late in that game. I'm kind of hoping they they do that a little more, maybe maybe switch more and, and see what they can do with that. But yeah, I'm looking if this team's able to fix it defensively, I think they'd still end up third. But if they don't, if they're not able to figure out all those defensive problems, I can see them going all the way to fifth. Um, probably, probably reasonably fifth would be where they would end up, especially if they can't figure out the defensive side of the ball. But I mean, there's good team, like you said, man. There's good teams with, with Virginia Tech. We saw them last year just shoot Carolina out of the gym. Yeah. And, and State has played extremely well, even though I swear they were trying to give away that game last night to Miami with 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 every fiber of of their of their beings. Uh, last night, you know that that was an ugly finish to yeah. the game. And Miami, Miami's in total disarray right now. You know, Dewan Hill, Dewan, he changed his name to Dewan Hernandez. He's been rolled out by the NCAA. You know, Miami's only got seven scholarship players. So when you got when you got guys like that who are missing from 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 teams like that, like Miami was expected to be a top half top tier team in, in the ACC. So they're obviously going to drop off. Notre Dame's been kind of struggling, but I still find Carolina within that within that group of, of teams like Virginia Tech, NC State, Syracuse, the the at Florida State. Even Florida State's played extremely well for most of the season. So just just teams like that in, in that type of grouping. But there's a there's a clear drop off right now between Virginia and Duke. But that doesn't mean that <coughs> excuse me that doesn't mean that some other teams can't jump up 
you know, into that upper echelon with those two teams. And, and by no way does that not mean that, that Carolina or really any other team can't pull off an upset against one of those two teams because I still think there's a lot of talent up and down throughout the ACC. Brandon, got one more for you. I know you said that was the last one, but I want to hit you with one more since we're, we'll probably get back on another podcast about midway through the ACC season. So, got one more question for you. Carolina's first, let's see, four games in the ACC, or five games in the ACC, excuse me, are against Pittsburgh, NC State, Louisville, Notre Dame, and Miami. You set a win over Pittsburgh. Carolina travels to NC State next Tuesday, and they've got Louisville at home and Notre Dame at home back-to-back, and then at Miami. Brandon, that Miami game's on January 19th, so if we're looking back on January 20th at Carolina's ACC record through the first five games, where do you think they'll be at? If I had to give you one, I think Carolina beats Pittsburgh. I think Carolina goes to state and beats them. I just think they, they always seem to play well in Raleigh. It could be a different story in Chapel Hill like we've seen over the past couple of years, but Carolina always tends to play well in Raleigh no matter how good NC State's been, and they are looking good right now. Um, I think Carolina beats Pitt, beats State. I think they beat Louisville and Notre Dame at home. And then that at Miami's kid is always a little tricky, but Miami is struggling, man. So, I mean, if I had to give my honest prediction, I'm going 5-0, and and I think even though I think State is a win, that's the only toss-up game for me. I think Carolina, they should just be beating those teams if they want to compete, and I think they are more than capable of doing that. So where do you think Carolina will be uh, through the first five games uh, of the ACC play? Yeah. I want to say five and zero, oh, and it might be four and one. That uh, about th- three weeks into the season, I started saying to myself, "Wow, if Carolina has to play State, uh, that might be a loss, just because of the way State plays, and just because it's of the very, way it's Carolina. very possible. It's very possible. Yeah, and, but part of me truly believes that Carolina is just more talented than State, but that doesn't mean that State can't put together a better team effort." And honestly, if they're putting Carolina in ball screens, like they put a lot of teams in ball screens, I mean, they might have a field day against Carolina. So we'll see. Definitely clean it up defensively if you want to beat a team like State. I'm going to say they're going to go 5-0, and but I wouldn't be shocked if it was like 4-1. and And even if they beat State, I wouldn't be completely surprised if they lost the game to like Louisville on the road or something like that. So, yeah. Uh, like you said, most of the most of those games, like the Notre Dame and the Miami game, those should be wins because of where those programs are right now. It's not even Mike Ray's fault that they're at where they're at. It, I mean, they lost Rex Fluger to injury, and that's their that's the, one of their studs. And they just got a lot of young guys there. And then, like I mentioned with Miami, they got seven eligible players to play right now. Wow. So I mean, you can talk about shortening your bench or doing whatever, but when you're running against teams like State who play 10 guys or teams like Carolina who play 10 guys, you can't be running out seven guys constantly and, and hoping to win games. Hey, man, if, are- if, if Carolina fans know one thing, they know injuries, and not on the basketball side, but on the football side, they definitely know what yeah. it's like to, to struggle with injuries and how that is to compete. Yeah, and they they just had a weird season, so I don't even know what to what to think of Miami. But yeah, Notre Dame Miami should be a win. Louisville's looked all right at certain points. Chris Mack has actually done a pretty good job in his first season with that team. Yeah, that, the only reason I'm pretty confident about that one is just because it's the the home opener in the ACC. I just think Carolina handles them. But yeah, Louisville's a decent team. They're not great, but they're a decent team. Right. Yeah. No. They, yeah. I mean, it's the home opener, so you probably shouldn't lose at home. 
But who knows, if you come home and you don't play with that type of energy, the one thing I will say is I've definitely noticed when this team plays at home, they play with a lot of energy. 100%. They play with a lot of energy on the defensive end. When, they, when they're on the road, they don't really find that energy. And we mm-hmm. saw that against Texas. We saw that against Michigan. They struggled to find that energy, even Kentucky. So you got to give yourself that type of energy when you're playing teams like Notre Dame and Miami and Pittsburgh on the road, you have to give yourself that type of energy. And if they can, they, they will be they will win those games because they're just too talented outside of those other teams. I mean, don't get it don't get it twisted. This team can shoot the basketball, they can score. Heck, they can even defend when they want to. But f- to an extent certain extent they're they're a good defensive team. I, I don't know how great they can be outside of that. We'll we'll have to see and hopefully it progresses during these first five games of the ACC. So, Brandon, if I'm correct, four, are you going with four and one, losing to State? Uh, I'll go five and zero oh, because I, I think like they it. beat State. I, I'm just like pessimistic in the fact that maybe they drop one to like Notre Dame that they should. Yeah, it could happen or it something could. like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, I don't buy that they won't be up for that State game, and, and that's really what you'd be worried about: is they're not ready to play that game. Yeah, I don't and in think. No way are they not going to be ready to play that game. Definitely not. So yeah, I, I I like I said, I said five and zero too, and I think we kind of agree. The only one that there's all any ACC game is tough. You could lose any of them, uh, you can win any of them too. But you know that state game is is the one that's always a little tricky. But I mean, obviously, kind of like you said, and I said, alluded to a little bit earlier, Carolina over the past few years just just played well against State, and for some reason, State is more times than not recently played better against Carolina. At Carolina, it's just how it goes. We see that a lot in the yeah. Duke Carolina rivalry too. It's weird how rivalry games for, go. Except for the fifty-seven point. Yeah, uh, except for that yeah. one. That was a man, man. What two thousand seventeen was just a great year, dude. But, but <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, I appreciate you coming back on here, man. And we'll get you back on. Like I said, we've we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. But I mean, let's get you back on here five, six games in. Uh, we're, I'm trying to pump out a podcast at least once a week. So, I mean, anytime I'm coming on here and talking ACC, talking Carolina basketball, I'm always gonna you know, shoot you a text before and see if you're up for it. So, dude, I appreciate you having – appreciate having you back on today, man. And, Brandon, I got – I'm going to I'm gonna leave you with a, a little short – I want to just send the people off with a quick little short question and answer for you. Who do you think Carolina's best player is going to be in the ACC this year? Just give me a short and, and quick 30-second answer to that. Uh, let's start the timer. I'm going to give you a couple seconds to think about it. But let's start the timer – Right about now. My heart wants to say Nazir Little, and I think at some point he'll be exceptional for this You ain't team. the only one, man. I'm, I'm, that's but, what I would say. But I'm going with Cam Johnson. I mean, that dude shoots the lights out of the ball. And, and it, look, if he can be anywhere close defensively in terms of just the, the health that he has right now, he's actually played better defensively because of his health. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like Cam Johnson as a player and just like his size and his pure shooting stroke and the ability to get to the basket. Him and Kenny Williams are going to be deadly from outside. And as long as those two do not just continue to jack up three-pointers and they know that if the three-pointer is not falling early in a game to go attack the basket, uh, those two are going to be exceptional, but especially Cam Johnson. Brandon, love it, dude. Appreciate you uh, coming back on here, man. We'll get you back on here soon, and uh, always a pleasure, my man. Yeah, man, all love. Pack it up, pack it in.
let me begin I came to win, battle me, that's a sin I won't ever slack up, punk, you better back up Try and play the role 